Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 19th, 2015. You know it's good to stand back and simply watch the world go round sometimes. Uh, as though you were an alien, basically. And just watch what's happening. And you'll find today you're told less and less of what's really happening. And you're given nothing but emotive topics for the news. Lots of trivia, of course. Uh, news has been gradually altered over decades to, to entertainment, to an extent, and sports and so on, all mixed in with uh, little quips of vague little news items. And we've come to accept that that is now called news. You see, that's how you change realities over time. And it's incremental, and eventually generations are born into the normal new news, which is, again, trivia and very vague little items that are never really explained to the general public. And that's really good governance, because then the people can't object about too much if they don't know what's really going on, you see. That's what that really means. Because it's always been a bane to those in power, this idea of something called democracy, something that's never ever actually occurred, although we've had vague ghosts of it now and then. And now we're going into the era where you're still told you have democracy, but you don't at all. You have specialized expert groups that are kind of self-appointed, taking over power by themselves and being unelected and grafting themselves on to various councils, local councils, national councils, regional councils, and things like that, and making policies, you see. Everything's making policies, and a policy isn't a law, but they're treated as though it were, were the law, you see, by everyone else, because we accept it. And it's an awfully clever way to do things. And I've gone through the whole idea of technocracy. And this, is a, this actually is supposedly a science, much like Marxism, of how to control all the people and guide and train all the people, a lifelong training from birth to death, as well as monitoring them too, so they'll behave in the perfect way for uh, the natural ruling elite, you see. And cause as little problems as possible for their entire lives by not asking too many questions. We come to accept, I think, most things in life, not by reasoning through things, but simply uh, these views and opinions are given to us by, again, this power above us, it, it filters down through little, little bits and bites from the media and entertainment and so on, until these little bits and bites formulate into something which is still abstract, but more, more formulated into a, a theory, or, or, a, or a, which eventually is taken by you as a fact. Most theories aren't necessarily fact at all. They're good guesses, in a, in a sense, that are accepted by science, that's what they say. And you'll you find that uh, we also think that somehow down through history, there's always been something called logic which is, again, more theoretical than open and honest, in actual fact. Because humans are not totally logical creatures. We are human. And that also means you are emotional. And you have emotional needs and, and built-in drives. You're born with them and so on. They can take over what you would, from what you would think of as the reasonable course of action in certain circumstances. And when you get into the areas of emotion... 
you can go into the world of nice touchy feeling things like movies that you like or bring a tear to the eye, whatever it happens to be. Disney churns them out by the bucketful. But you can also go into the realms of insanity with it as well. Because, as I say, people are not completely logical. And you'll find, if you look down through history, you get the occasional tyrant in the past who comes into power, often even voted into power. And they have uh, some good ideas which the general public can understand, which make sense, naturally, to get into power. But once they're in, they go off in some odd tangent, and you wonder where they're going with it all. It was the same with Marxism as well, of course. And when they put it into the Bolshevik party in Russia, when they put it into practice, they came out with a lot of odd, weird uh, new normals of social behavior and how we should be and everybody should be, etc. What you should think, what you should say, and what you should feel, etc., etc. And that hasn't stopped. It won't go away, you see, as long as humans are still human. And we forget that many of the powers out there today and the rival parties and so on, who do, you know, they basically play to the crowd and say what they want to hear and so on and parrot it back to them. Some of them even have the weird, wacko ideas that if they get into power as to what exactly they should do. And I've mentioned uh, a couple of movies recently on a recent show I was on, and one of them was called Land of the Blind, a very good movie on a a society that's kind of run by a a monarch who's also a dictator to an extent and um, absolute rule, always looking for terrorists. Uh, And, of course, a guy who works for the guards, uh, he starts to see the fallacies in it and so on and and the cruelty involved, etc., and the madness involved in it and helps to overthrow the government. And the government that comes in uh, led by a particular, I think it was uh, Donald Sutherland, he started off seeing all the right things, but he goes off on these weird tangents uh, and brings in strange laws about how children should dress at school, etc., and things like that, and, and started putting out slogans like, uh, what's better than a good juicy steak? And the answer has to be a, 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 a small stale piece of bread. That was called normal, you see. Anything can be made normal if, you, if it's brainwashed into you or beaten into you, as it was in the actual movie. But, and again, too, they even took the, the, the character that, that Southern portrayed from the French Revolution. They used a character from a guy there who was also killed in the bathtub, uh, this actual dictator by a woman. But uh, they show you that the same, in the the actual movie, there's all kinds of characters that you will have in real situations. You'll find the ones who work for the police systems and for the regime who are wily enough and psychopathic enough uh, to to flow from from being an enemy of the people to an extent and a persecutor uh, into the new regime. uh, And they still manage to keep that role and, and say opposite things to the people, but it's the same people running the show to an extent, all the little, from the top to the bottom, all the little helpers that, that help keep tyrants in power. 
and nothing changes. That's, that is the system we live in. So they show you all the different characters and, and the roles they have, advisors to the tyrant and things like that, and how things really go. So we are, uh, as I say, emotional creatures, and we're blinded sometimes by our emotions because we get all prideful or, or your heart swells up when you hear the national, whatever it happens to be, uh, song sung or something like that, or you're going to be, your country's going to be great or feel proud or something like that. that that's how it goes. And so we can be misled awfully, awfully easy and um, by those who know how to do it. Therefore, always be careful about following anybody at all if you have any sense whatsoever. You'll always find uh, uh, characters, specific characters that give you in and, and some of these movies. You, you'll get the ones who are bombastic and, and uh, rail against uh, the terrorists on behalf of the tyrant and so on. Uh, uh, loudmouth characters who yell and scream and put on a good show for TV or whatever, uh, like they had in, in, in the movie called V, you know, and um, they had the, uh, the perfect character for that. During World War II, of course, they even had British uh, people who worked for Germany, like Lord Haw Haw and, and so on like that. Uh, these are the characters who who come out with these long, uh, loud rants about people. So the techniques are always used over and over again by all sides in, in all ages. Nothing changes. And power is power. And those who want power will use, especially psychopaths, they simply smell which way the wind is going. And if they can get support of the people uh, to, to back them up and do the fighting for it, they'll do it. They'll go along with it, even though they don't believe in it themselves. And then the comedy, too, by Woody Allen, uh, where he's a, a terrorist. He goes off to to impress a girlfriend he has that she's into, she admires the, the freedom fighters. So he goes off to Latin America and becomes a, a, a freedom fighter, basically. And there's, there's a leader of the group, of course, who seems quiet and stable enough. But once he gets into power, the quiet, stable guy in this comedy, uh, the first decree is that all the people must learn and speak Danish. And you must wear your underwear outside your clothing, you see, on top of your pants and so on. In other words, they're showing the madness that really happens when these people, they show their true colors, that this form of insanity that they have. And we think, again, this is comedy, etc. But all this is based on things that have happened in the past, in some time in the past. Some not that, not that long ago, in fact, in some places. So you'll always find the same recurrence of techniques used and what works on the public uh, getting used over and over simply because it works on the public. So you should look at those two movies if you can get a chance to. I think the character that, that Southern played in Land of the Blind was called, it was, was really based on Murat of the French Revolution, uh, who had a skin condition too. That's why I claimed he was always in the bathtub. And he was a he was notorious for having folk executed during the revolution. Now we should always look at every argument and try to be impartial as far as again be an alien and sit back and listen to these two parties talking about things or debating something. And don't jump into the the fray because of the emotional. Uh, urge that you get 
according to what you're hearing. But sit back and just listen, because it's quite easy to, to adopt or destroy one side of an argument by going through the logics of it, the logic and the truth of it, the factual truth of it, as opposed to the emotional truth. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, who, uh, even in the so-called truth movement, and I guess it's so-called because it's been totally taken over a long time ago, if not set up by the big boys themselves, but you'll find them, as, as soon as you, you say there's something wrong with capitalism, again, you get the branding name put on you that's meant to shut you up or be a communist or something. No, no, no. For, the, for them to say there's nothing wrong with the capitalist system, when you're down through history, since we brought in this, this the private families issuing what's called, supposedly, debt to countries and the right to print up money or now put it into electronic blips. Uh, and they're always, these families always arrange things so they can plunder your countries and your economies at least twice a century. Now it's even getting more frequent under the guise of recessions in between the depressions, you see. And nothing changes because everything in the system is run by these boys at the top of what's called capitalism, including the fact that everything that they lend to you and is then printed into or coined or even blipped into existence is then a debt that everyone owes. So it's worth less than the last lot that were done. Uh, you wonder why your, your dollar has lost 97% of its value since about 1918 and 97% of the British pound since about the same time. It's built into it until you become like the peso and you're paying thousands and thousands of them for a cup of coffee one day. And you think this is normal. There's nothing wrong with the system. Of course there's something wrong with the system. It's corrupt completely dishonest, and, and there's no need for it to exist like that in the first place, since countries can, if they want to, issue their own currency. They don't have to borrow from anybody since they're taxing people to death inside the countries. They've plenty of money to play with. And by God, when they get into politics, they do play, don't they? An awful lot. But again, this is what we call as, as you know, the normal system you have. Uh, good politicians. Well, you know, I, I have a hard time with that term. I really don't know if you can find a real good politician. He may be good at the art of politics, which is just all verbiage anyway, and showmaking basically. But you've got to understand too, there's a certain type lust to get into politics. Most ordinary people don't want to get into politics. It's the aggressive kind who are also psychopathic who tend to go into politics. And the psychopaths or your, could be your best pal if you're sitting across them at the table. They listen to everything you're saying and seem awfully concerned. But as soon as you're out the door, you, you, you're out there, they've deleted you from their memory. Unless they can use you for something. That's why they're liked and so on by people. And I don't think you can get honest folk in this system has been corrupt so lot for such a long time. Again, it's human nature. It's, human nature means that the psychopathic corrupt types are the ones who go into these things. They sniff the wind. They'll say, where can I get up fastest? Which party can I join to get up quick as possible? And, and all they do is cursorily do, do, do a glance at what the, that 
left wing, right wing, or middle wings, or green wings, or whatever, want to hear, learn all the buzz terms, and spout them off. You see? And, and that's how they, they get up in, in politics. And then nothing, nothing gets better for the general population. Because these folk have nothing in common with you in the general population. That's the sad truth of it. Getting back to these characters down through history, which still get churned out because human nature doesn't change, uh, who, who really end up, you know, the children go to school if they wear neckties but no shirts, or things like that, then it, it won't stop. Now you're into the, the fantasy land of global warming. And then it changed to climate change when the global warming wasn't cooperating with them. Even though in the coldest winters possible, let's talk about and say you had the cold, you had the warmest winter yet in Canada, with so many nights, 40 odd below freezing, that was supposedly the warm, utter rubbish. And stop listening to these statistics because go by your own memory, for God's sake. Most folk will not go by their own memory for anything. If it's in the newspapers and experts say it, then they must be right and you must be wrong. They've been trained to believe that. I'm, my, my memory must be erroneous on these facts. Really. I can remember not so long ago when skies really were really, really blue in the summer. Not that whitish tinge, especially getting worse towards the, the edges of the horizon and so on. With all the, the chemtrails and spraying that's going on That they won't come out and It's beautiful too from the top they just, they just don't say anything When they do something like this They just don't say anything at all They've even created what they call conspiracy clubs now And, and conspiracy roadshows that go around talking about Like I said, a sideline, a, a new hobby for everybody to get into For all the wackos That's how they've given that, that idea to the public so if you come out with the facts anymore, you're lumped in with them, you see. With space aliens, Bigfoot, and the UFOs running the whole show. You're living in a very, again, cleverly scientifically designed system, which is getting more so in the scientific techniques and improvements in them than ever before, especially since they have everyone with their personality profiles and the internet, and they're texting and everything else, and they know what everybody's doing, and they do this constant surveys in them all, uh, uh, basically quiet polls, you might say, on who believes what, etc. And they've got the society confused like they've never been confused before now, with such massive overflow of this data. Data doesn't mean truth, it means data, you see. And it's having a fantastic effect on the public, Really a fantastic effect So If you truly want to break out of what I call the matrix You've got to think for yourself And often you'll keep your opinions to yourself I never really have an awfully, awful, incredible urge In company to share my opinion with people if you do that, then it's your ego fighting theirs or something like that. Why? I, I don't need to do that. I can tell at a glance if someone's going to listen or not, or if they want to hear it or not. And if they don't, I wouldn't even venture into any particular topic that they definitely have already come to a predetermined conclusion before it even starts. 
And most folk today do have all these opinions on things, lots of opinions. The opinions are all given to them again by the various experts that are prayed out for them to follow. And they do follow, like clockwork. They just, they just jump into it. Here's a new topic. Here's expert A, B, C, and D. Take your pick for the one you want. And they're all put out by the boys at the top. They never give you a truthful answer for anything. So you've got to think for yourself. Always think for yourself. I always laugh, too, at uh, the techniques used in advertising. Because remember, to advertising... As public relations, which is also propaganda. And Bernays have gone through this history so many times, but Bernays really was proud of the term even propaganda with, with its newer meaning, not the old meaning, but the newer meaning, which meant deception, basically, manipulation by deception, uh, an understanding of the human mind and how to deceive and manipulate them into buying things or behaving in a certain way and doing things they had never thought of doing before that you wanted them to do for your clients who, who are your backers and so on, uh, for advertising or even for the uh, the consumer society. Because Bernice had a big hand in creating that for the for the big boys that ran already owned and ran the US. So you so you'll find that the, the technique is is the same for people that you follow. Ads are famous for saying, oh, so many millions bought this last year. And that's supposed to be why you should buy it. It doesn't matter if, if whatever it was worked or gave satisfaction or didn't. It's just the amount of sales that they claim they had in something uh, that, that you, that's supposed to be the selling point for you to go and buy it. Again, the mass mind people are like chickens. They just follow each other or sheep. And you'll find the same thing with the people that you follow. So many people listen to this. So many people, whenever they hear that, there's a big con going on. Because it's nothing to do with uh, the fact. And why you should listen to this. Tell me why I should listen to this or follow this person. Or accept his conclusion of this particular topic, you see. So numbers are, are simply a, a, a game they play with you. Numbers, the numbers racket. And humans are like that too. I can remember Pierre Trudeau, when he came in, to, I mean, Trudeau ran under the Liberal campaign and party in, in, in Canada. And long before that, he'd, as a youth, he'd led the Comintern, the Young Communist Group for Canada, to Moscow. He was the leader for the Communist Party. Remember, communism says get into power by any means possible, using all deceptions and even by using existing parties and lying to the people. Anyway, he got in, Pierre Trudeau became Prime Minister, and when he left, he created a massive national debt for the whole of Canada, changed everything upside down because that was his goal. That was, that's why he was put in, actually, by powers even higher than him. And I've met people yet who agree that this legacy really helped destroy what was Canada, to bring in the new Canada, the new normal. And, and yet they'll still say quite proudly, that, oh, yeah, I voted for that guy twice, you know. Uh, and what they're telling you there is that they didn't agree with his policies or what he did, but they picked a winner. They're still proud that they picked the winner. Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't it amazing? It, it tells you an awful lot about people. Again, don't expect logic. They're emotional creatures, you see. Now, getting back again to how tyranny works, we know how it works. There's many exposés and, and histories of tyrants and how they put various policies into action. And remember, too, every tyrant needs advisors and administrators, so they'll get on the act as well. And they'll do whatever they're told as well and con the public and lie to the public and tell them that the stale piece of bread is better than a juicy steak. And you're supposed to believe it, or you go to a prison camp if you don't, you see. And you find a lot of that happened in the Soviet era. You know, the end of the Soviet system, before it collapsed, or supposedly collapsed, all these administrators, by their laws that they drafted up, and rules and policies, again, these policy things we are on to today, they found that the trains had to run from on time and, and from the destinations on a daily routine. And most of the trains towards the end didn't have cargo. So all these empty trains were running back and forth and all over the place to be there on a schedule, or heads would roll, you see. This is the kind of madness you get in these dystopian systems. And we're in one today, believe it or not. We are in one today, when madness is taught as normal. It was so bad in the Soviet system. There's documentaries out there, you can find them, where the taxi drivers in Moscow and, and some big cities who were allowed to do so many uh, miles per month to get gasoline. If in over the quarter you didn't get the gas, they, they would literally jack up their, their vehicles and, and t- take back their odometers or malometers and take it back as, as much as they, they needed to in order to get uh, more gas for the rest of that month. If they didn't do that, this city would have come to a standstill, basically. That's when you are forced to go along with madness. And I'm talking about this because this nonsense about the climate change. There's a big movement behind this. That Not just the, the, the worker bees that, that push it all, all the followers and workers within non-governmental organizations that are all part of the United Nations and who get their funding from the big multi-trillionaire corporations that have foundations that fund them. And you're to ask, why are the big international corporations on board with all that? Well, you see, they're going to get all this new, it's better than a futures market or anything else or derivatives, this nonsense to do with with uh, offsetting carbon and trading these carbon credits and making a profit off nothing, nothing at all. Wow, what incredible! That's their angle for it, you see. And it's also to get control over every individual who breathes and lives on the planet, and that includes all of you, you see. It's important that you start to believe all the nonsense too, and the the, 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 the theology, I call it, of what they pretend is science, because it's really a religion. You see, it's a belief system. And to see if the belief is taken on you, and then you're stamped as okay, you know, your brainwashing has worked or it's not, you see, you need more readjustment. And this is what we're all going, the path we're all going down. 
So it's a clever kind of madness, you see, isn't it? It's not a spontaneous madness like we've seen in the past with tyrants and dictators and things like that, where they try to make the impossible happen. Like Lysenko in the Soviet Union, elevated to be a hero of the country because he, he kept trying to, to, to force plants to evolve to accept Arctic conditions, basically, and grow. And it wouldn't work. It never did work. But you would put foot were killed. Foot were killed by by the but you know taken by the Politburo in the garden and so on because they they disagreed with it. They said this this doesn't work. Saying the obvious got you killed. So don't don't ever think that humans uh, emulate the movies that you get that where they, the kind of movies where they're always emulate. They're always showing you how great the government. The, Good congressmen, parliamentarians, and honest—don't don't think that for a minute, folks. They know where their bread is buttered, and they'll follow any tyrant who keeps it going—the uh, good life going for them personally. That's human nature again. So, be very, very wary where it's all going, because eventually, with all this nonsense, when when you are down deep in a steel piece of bread. And and it's better than a juicy steak. And they'll probably tell you that too. Is oh, well, it's not got all this fascinating and stuff like that. You see, and blah blah. And there's lots of experts that come out and tell you that too. Yeah, and they get paid. They'll get paid handsomely for telling you that. There's no lack of experts in, in any kind of regime who are getting personal profits from lying to the public. You see. Stop thinking that everyone has a conscience like you. It's the silent majority of the conscience, the, the ordinary people, the ones who are non-psychopathic, you see. Psychopaths don't have a conscience. And unfortunately, we're, we're basically landed with these psychopaths in every generation. They won't test for them, running in for political parties, and, uh, and even civil servants too. Or even test them. Anyone who has a power over the people, including all the new NGOs that have grafted themselves on to your local councils uh, and demand that you pay carbon taxes, they, they should all be tested for a psychopathy. That's what I believe. Stop testing the rest of the public for this stuff. Test them. We should test them, you see. We should have all their personality profiles. It should be an open book if you want to have power over the people. A complete open book of everything they've done in their lives. So we can judge. But of course that'll never happen. That'll never happen, you see. But eventually, you know, when you're living in a deep freeze and you can't get electricity because you're all in windmills and they're done away with all the coal plants and, and, and eventually they'll cut down all the, the, the gas plants too. Because the, you, the, the carbon credits will be too high for it, too, too costly for all these fake bubbles of carbon credits and CO2 and so on. They, they, you're going to have lots of folks starving to death. But if you sit, and if you and if you start dressing up with too many sweaters and sack because you're freezing in the winter, you, they'll haul you off into the gulag. You see, what do you mean you, 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 you're too cold? It's it's a lovely day out here. This is the madness you have with humanity, folks. Because once these ideologies are taught as fact, and they're utter lies and rubbish, it's beyond that, see, a, a, a Spanish Inquisition. Beyond that, I'll go, absolutely. And believe you me, the Soviet system with the gulags and the th millions that disappeared and, and got slaughtered and worked to death and so on, 
is way worse than that because of ideology. False ideology, folks. When they bring that in here, you'll have hell to live in and hell to pay. So in the middle of winter, you better start practicing now. Practice now. Get some little sauna, like you're doing in Finland, and, and sweat it out of you, and then run out in the snow, start naked, and jump into the cold water. It kills a lot, mind you, in Finland. They have sudden strokes as the blood pressure just goes, poof, you know, and they die. But do it slowly. Do it slowly. Uh, just a little bit. Even put your foot in the snow for, to start with and, and say, whoa, and pretend that you're not really feeling cold at all when you feel that snow. Because, as I say, eventually it's going to be like that, you know. Uh, if you have too many sweaters and you got two coats and two pair of gloves on or something like that because you're freezing at minus 40, uh, <laughs> you, 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 when your betters tell you that, that this is the warmest winter you've ever had, you better believe them or you're off for readjustment, you know, tinkering with the brain. Now, here's a, a few articles. There's very few, there's very few really interesting stories out there now because you have been trained already gradually. Now it's speeding up to live in trivia and sports and things like that and, and entertainment. That's news. That's now news, you see. And, and things are done by the technocrats above you. And you don't interfere with what they're doing and what they're passing in laws, not because it's all done in secret. And they claim that's the best way to do it. Then you can't complain and, and hold them up on anything, you see. So that's the new technique that's used. It's well established now. And that's why there's, there's very little real news out there. Everything, everything is secret. Everything is secret from, from national security, why they must spy on you. We can't tell you because it's a national security issue, you see. And yet you ask them too about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and all the other agencies involved in it in terms of use for all the other agencies that, that are a part of it too. We can't tell you anything about it. It's going to affect you all, but we can't tell you anything about it because, because it's a secret. We made it a secret. And they're still prattling about vote when it was voting time. Go and vote for your democracy. What if, are we mad already? Well, I guess we must be, eh? We must be mad already. So as I say, we don't get much news at all. It's, and what we do get is just propaganda for the ongoing agendas, you see. There's an article here by Christopher Booker, and he says, Since my story last week headed, mystery grows over the Met Office's hottest day article. There have been further developments. Now, the Met Office was caught up before with all those leaked emails before, remember, as they fudged all the statistics. Everything to do with money or weather in is all fudged statistics these days. That's just normal, the normal course of it. Says, how could the Met Office justify its widely publicized claim that July the 1st was the hottest July day recorded in Britain based solely on a reading of 36.7 degrees Celsius, which is 98 degrees Fahrenheit, made at Heathrow Airport? It says when the blogger Paul Holmwood and it gives you his website, tracked down four weather stations around Heathrow. None showed readings on July the 1st above 35.1. He wondered how far the Met Office figure might have been influenced by the sighting of its Heathrow temperature gauge, shown by aerial photographs to be surrounded by heat-radiating tarmac and near a runway. Now, when you're near a runway, if you ever go near a runway, 
and a jet goes is taking off or comes down, you'll get little blips in temperature as the as the burn off from those jets hit you. Believe you me, if you're, and that's and you better be far enough away from that even. You know. Anyway, it says. He therefore asked the Med Office for further details about how his figure was arrived at. His reply was that this information could only be supplied for... So here again, in your open society, if you want that information as to how they arrived at that figure, this, this Met Office tells you they can only give it to you if you paid £75 plus value-added tax. But it then, in light of all the interest that was, was arousing, issued a long press release. Despite claiming that his Heathrow weather station met all the requirements of the World Meteorological Organization, it failed to answer any of the relevant questions. What it did include, however, was a graph revealing that the wholly untypical 36.7 figure had only been fleetingly reached in a marked 1.7 degree temperature spike. This this is a sudden blip up and down at 12.15 p.m. Was this merely caused by a blast of hot air from a passing airliner? No answer on this from the Met Office. But this was the only evidence for its claim, blazoned unquestionably across the media. On July the 1st, 2015, it was the hottest July day ever recorded. You know, see how they can, they can trick you by using a, a spike up-down, fraction of a second. And then, see, that was the whole day, just by omitting that, that relevant fact. It says, and, and it says, still, it's significantly less than the highest temperature recorded in August. We have long known that the Med Office will do almost anything to promote its fond belief that the world is growing ever hotter. But do we pay it? Now, listen to this. £220 million a year. That's what they get, this Met Office. Or tax money. And its chief scientist, Dame Julia Slingo, a salary, this is the one at the head of it, this woman at the head of it, a salary with a pe- with pension rights worth uh, £240,000 for genuine signs or just for propaganda. If the latter, we're not getting much of a deal, it says here. But I'll put this up tonight. You better believe this whole climate nonsense it's awfully lucrative for all the scientists involved in it. You better believe it. They've never had such a, uh, a, a fantastic gold strike as this con. And they're not going to back out of it. They'll, they'll, if they, they'll fight if you try to throw them out of it. They'll fight tooth and nail because they'll never get a job again that pays a man like this. And also, he's uh, got two articles up. I'll put them both up. As he goes through the same thing again, basically, it's quite interesting. And of course, in, in Australia, uh, which is their, I think it's their winter time, they're, they're uh, winter time over in Australia right now. It's going opposite us here. It says it's not every day you see a kangaroo in the snow, but this is just one of thousands of amazing photos. They showed the photos of Australia's winter snowstorm, and. Uh, it's quite, quite something, the amount of snow that they've had and that their mountains are covered, etc., etc. This is um, as other parts of eastern Australia are sharing their incredible photographs of the winter storm online. Towns and cities from northern Victoria through New South Wales and into southern Queensland have been snowed in by the spectacular weather events. 
Snow's also fallen a number of towns in southern Queensland. Locals say it's the biggest dump they've had in 30 years. And up to 20 centimetres of snow has fallen in the Blue Mountains to the west of Sydney, transforming the already picturesque landscape into a winter wonderland. And, and so on. So it, it's, it's really something to go through, as I say, uh, the land of the blind scenario. And you have to see the movie to see the, the crazy things this uh, guy put, puts into, into operation once he's in power. Or in the Woody Allen uh, movie, too, where he's uh, revolutionary. This other article, too, it says the Pope joins the EU, the European Union, in a sad world of make-believe. There are two great acts of political make-believe in our time, so all-pervasive that it's hard for us to grasp just how much effect they're having on our lives. This is what is a papal encyclical calling on the world to end its use of fossil fuels and to pray for God for the success of the global climate summit in December got in common with the Greek Euro crisis. The ominous rift between the West and Russia and the shambles Europe is making over the desperation of African and Syrian refugees to find safety this side of the Mediterranean. They're all different aspects of the two greatest acts of political make-believe of our time, so all-pervasive that it's hard for us to grasp just how much effect they're having on all our lives. When future historians come to look back on our age, few things will puzzle them more than the extent to which our politics become so dominated or became so dominated and bedeviled by two belief systems, each based on an obsessive attempt to force into being an immensely complicated political construct which defied economic, psychological and scientific reality. One of these was a peculiar way in which Europe's politicians, with full support from the U.S., had set out to unite their continent under a form of supranational government, unlike anything the world had seen before. The other was the way those same politicians fell for the idea, not just that human activities were disastrously changing Earth's climate, but that by taking the most drastic measures they could somehow change it back again. Although for quite a time these two belief systems seemed to carry all before them, each was essentially based on a fantasy view of the world and its nature of trying to act out a fantasy that it must eventually overreach itself to the point where it collides unpleasantly with reality. The essence of the European fantasy was not just that it could gradually weld all Europe together in ever closer union, that's what they called it, in closer ties by binding you into it by overriding the, the, and eliminating the kind of nationalism which had led to wars, but that it could continually expand its own empire. Again, it's, this is human nature. It goes down through the ages with powerful people who are all nuts, who, who say one thing but do another. It's always the same motives. It was dominate, 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 expand and dominate. We now see in all directions how that sense of national interest cannot be eliminated. We see in the desperation of the Greeks to escape from the trap created by forcing them, through corruption and dishonesty, into the Euro. We see it in how the EU's reckless bid to absorb Ukraine into its empire aroused that sense of national, uh, Russian nationalism, which drove the Crimeans into voting to rejoin the country where they felt they belonged. We see it in the sense of national self-interest, which makes it impossible for EU countries to agree on how to deal with that flood of refugees from across the sea. The attempt to create a Europe at one with itself, living 
prosperously and happily under a new kind of unelected government. And that's the key. Unelected government, folks, has always been the goal of it. Has led it to become such a sad, unhappy, divided place, economically in decline compared with the outside world, ruled by a strange form of government and no longer trusts, respects, or understands. Similarly, the last desperate throw by the EU and the US to achieve a world agreement next December to supposedly halt climate change is not going to succeed, not just because the science on which it is based is so increasingly questionable, but because the emerging powers of the East, led by India and China, are simply not prepared to go along with it. If the West wishes to commit economic suicide, so be it. In their own national interest, they are not willing to follow. In fact, what we are seeing here is a geopolitical shift of huge proportions. So lost is the West in its bubbles of self-deceiving fantasy that the hegemony it so long exercised over the rest of the world is passing to the world outside it. To India and China, even in its own way to Russia, still a nuclear power which can prevent us pushing too hard in our support for a bankrupt Ukrainian dictatorship, which also supplies Europe with a third of the gas it needs to continue functioning. How forlorn and light of all this looks that would be well-meaning 300-page document which the Pope, under the spell of his cheap scientific advisor, a fanatical German climate activist called Hans-Joachim Schellhuber, calls for an end to the use of the very fossil fuels which keep the Vatican's own lights on. And asking us to pray for that global climate treaty, Pope Francis solemnly roots out or trots out all those familiar Plaints about melting polar ice caps, rising sea levels, unprecedented droughts, extreme weather events, and the rest of that greeny litany, which has no basis in honest science whatsoever, or reality, I'd add to that. The outside world is no longer listening to this claptrap, but it's not just the world outside the West which is beginning to call the shots. Reality itself uh, is now knocking loudly at the door. A final tale piece, now that the hedges of our Somerset countryside are studied with creamy elder f- flowers on what for many years has been this year's wondrous spring and early summer, uh, says, having observed that the flowering times of our hedgerow shrubs for the decades, I've noted before how when the blossoming of the blackthorn uh, and may and elder all moved to, uh, forward sometime, sometimes spectacularly, so we are told that this was clear evidence of global warming. So when things start blooming, when they should bloom, it's now called global warming. But although this year, uh, as last, they, can, they will come to flower slightly earlier than their traditional days in the second half of April, May and June respectively, they stayed in flower even longer than usual. Even though the frozen firework displays of the hawthorn appeared in mid-May, they lingered on well into June. But it can't have been rising temperatures at work here, since 2015 had scarcely brought us continuous heat waves. Perhaps they've just been enjoying all the extra plant food supplied by rising levels of that dreadful polluting CO2 the Pope wants to ban. Remember, the plants live on CO2, folks. Without CO2, there's no plants. It truly is madness. It's the mouth of madness. There's another article, too, about the EU, the European Union. This is the EU's bid to crush national egoism is tearing it apart. This is the dream for a coastly united Europe is running into a brick wall of political reality. 
To understand why we're looking at an extraordinary watershed in history, we might ask what a series of events and dramas dominating the news have in common. We begin with the ongoing tragedy farce over Greece and the euro, the euro currency. Following that referendum where the Greeks were asked to choose between a yes campaign, which held that their country must remain firmly in both the euro and in the European Union, and a no campaign, arguing equally firmly that Greece must remain in both the euro and the EU. We go on with that chaos around the the Channel Tunnel, which across much of Europe, over the ever-growing flood of desperate immigrants trying to find safety from Africa and the Middle East. Now, the whole thing started with 2001, then the invasion of Afghanistan, and then an invasion of Iraq, and then the invasion of uh, uh, all their countries, Libya, and so on. An ongoing fracas with uh, <laughs> Al-Qaeda, uh, with its other pseudonym of ISIS, carrying on trying to finish off Syria, and so on as was all projected by the boys who uh, helped set up uh, them in the first place in the West, that is, uh, you'd have all these massive immigrants trying to get out of the country. It's all caused by what... There's causes for all this, you see. And it's all the West that caused it. Not us, of course. It's our rulers that cause it all. Because there's a bigger plans at stake here, you see. And it says here, we go on with that chaos around the Channel Tunnel and across much of Europe. It says here that... Over the growing, ever-growing flood of desperate immigrants trying to find safety from Africa and the Middle East, we may continue with the impasse between the EU and Russia over the Ukraine or with the insistence by Germany and Poland that, to keep their economies functioning, they must, regardless of their commitment to the EU, that they will reduce carbon emissions by 40% within 15 years, continue to burn vast quantities of CO2 polluting coal. To answer, the answer to what these have in common is that they all reflect the moment when, more obviously than ever before, the dream of a coastal united Europe is running into a brick wall of that very thing that the European project was above all designed to rise above, which is a narrow sense of national interest. To the man who, more than any, uh, set the project, this European project or union, on its way, Jean Monnet, his name was, uh, this was always its supreme purpose. He wanted to create a supranational government capable of eliminating the destructive evil which he described as national egoism. For decades, his dream seemed to be inching successfully towards its goal, but what we are seeing today is that the sense of national interest is so ingrained in human nature that it cannot be eliminated. Now, why is that? It's because if you've got any say in your in affairs at all, you, you can only have say within your own boundaries. If your government is a global government, is way over the water somewhere, and you're a little, a little colony uh, on the other side of the planet, they aren't going to notice you, folks. It's, it's, that's what human nature is, you see. Even having central governments is bad enough when they're far away in some big city, uh, in countries the size of Canada or, or the U.S., if you can't, you live and feed and work in your own area. If all that's out your hands and it's by people across the water somewhere or thousands of miles away, you don't have any say in anything. Especially with this called this party con, where you vote for the party, the guy who's in a party, as opposed to you vote for a guy who goes off to represent you, which there's a, which you think you're supposed to do. Anyway. The desperate Greeks, having seen their country crucified on the folly of the euro, 
currency, fight crazily to survive as a nation without any idea of how this can be done. Many Germans, looking to their own interests, are fed up with having to pour their money into the bottomless pit of Greek debt. Now, the thing is, you understand, the money isn't given to the Greeks. These loans are given. I mean, why would you give a loan to people who can't pay off the existing debt? And you're putting them more debt. I mean, it's just madness. But again, this has been done over and over in history again by the money boys at the top. Because uh, they want to own the countries. They want to sell everything off and own it all themselves and their own families. And that's what they've done for long, hundreds of years. Anyway, it says, while the EU struggles to deal with a crisis it brought on itself, to which there is no sensible solution. It says, as for the unstoppable flood of immigrants, countries across Europe will do anything to avoid taking responsibility for them. Because, after all, when there's no economies left in the West, folks, all your, your manufacturing is gone as well to China, all set up again by, you know, your leaders, your leaders. And uh, then you can't have them all in the welfare state. Because the folk who are left working are getting fewer and fewer and joining the welfare lines themselves often. And there's less money to go around to feed all these newcomers and get them medical treatments and all the rest of it and pay all these massive rents, which, uh, uh, again, are ridiculously high. This is, um, as for them, leaving the EU is equally impotent. The crisis with Russia was brought on entirely by the EU's hubristic desire to absorb Ukraine into its own make-believe empire, provoking precisely that nationalistic response from the Russians, including those in Crimea, that the EU no longer understands. For Germans and Poles faced with a choice between their EU commitment, and as I say, that money is not going to Greece, remember, the ones from Germany and the German banks. It pays back, it's to pay back the, the German banks. So that the taxpayers' money in Germany is bailing out their own banks, and it's simply on paper that it goes to Greece. They take the shortcut, they'll give it to Greece, and if Greece signs on to it for taking that debt on as well, then the money goes to the banks in Germany, which are owed the first, the first debts, you see. For Germans and Poles faced with a choice between their EU commitment to a fanciful target on reducing so-called carbon emissions by nearly half and keeping their lights on by burning coal, it's a no-brainer, since we British haven't yet realised that we face the same choice. So wherever we look, we see Europe admiring itself in a maze of unresolvable crises each of which seems to be reaching an impasse. In face of all these competing national interests, the EU looks dingier and more powerless by the day. Everywhere the fantasy that national interests could somehow be eliminated by a crackpot supranational form of government is crashing into reality. But still like those poor Greeks and most people in Europe, we British also want to cling to that failed dream because after decades of being caught up in his, his groupthink, our leaders have lost the ability to imagine that there could be any alternative. That's because they know they're where their political careers and, and where their bread is buttered. See, all the politicians, once you're into these big supranational systems, your, your national governments, everybody in it wants to eventually get promoted up to the international government folks. You see, that's why they go along with it. It's for their interest, not yours. These victims of an earlier collective dream, the Marxists, used to talk about the contradictions inherent in late capitalism, which would one day bring it crashing down. We're now trapped in what might be described as the contradictions inherent in late Europeanism. 
We're caught between that belief that we must all pool our interest in our countries in some artificial common interest and the reality that when it comes to the crunch, there's no way to stop that damned national interest reappearing. Such is a lesson which every day's news should now be bringing home to us, but how we might escape from it, not a single politician can yet begin to give us a plausible answer. Well, politicians are not the, the most intelligent people on earth, folks. They're not in it because they want to make things better. They like to say that a lot, you know, because they, they know what you want to hear. But they have no interest in making things better for you. If they have you living in utter squalor and misery, as long as they're well fed and getting admired up at the top of the tree, then uh, they're quite happy. That's human nature again. Sad, isn't it? It's sad. The Greeks, of course, had voted no. They, w- they wanted outs. They wanted outs. No more bailouts. They wanted out of this union, you see. But the leaders, obviously being paid off in advance, to reject the fact that the people voted for they don't want it, they want to get out. The leaders are ignoring the vote and going and taking the new bailout and putting more debt on top of them. Massive debt too. And and they've cut the health care to the bone for the elderly and everybody else as well. It's just disgusting. Until they get, they figure out this thing and, and they get a, a, a an honest way of creating money and deciding what it is. And there's really there's no reason why see see one dollar can't have a fixed price forever and ever and ever. You see? Purchasing power. Rather than getting devalued each time they print another one, or the British pound or any, any other currency. This, this conology run by the banking system, which rules governments and everything across the planet. Made the old song, Money Makes the World Go Round. Well, that's, that's a tongue-in-cheek joke, folks. It's, it's true as well, of the folk who can see through it. But um, until that, that's all rectified, nothing's going to change. And you'll still get plundered two or three times a century with all your so-called recessions in between your depressions. And it's too easy to, to entice corruption to flourish with the system as well. It truly is. It truly is. But as you see, we live in chronology, and chronology is the real science that runs the whole planet and everything underneath it. Remember, folks, you can look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. I've got thousands of talks up there for free you can listen to. A lot of folk like to just download them and listen rather than just try and play it right off the bat because it, you get better. You get a better listen that way, I think. And remember, too, you can buy the books and discs I have for sale or send me a donation. And, and keep me ticking along here. Now from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>